0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your grace and your kindness. I have a couple of friends with me from our ministry. Uh, Michael Adams, Michael, where are you? Right down here in the front, Holds your hand up so they know you. He's one of our attorneys. Uh, Michael graduated from a Christian college, then he got his MBA, his Master in Business Administration and then his law degree, and we have the privilege of having him on our staff as one of our attorneys. And then next to him is one of our paralegals. This is Seth Haught. Seth talks with hundreds of churches a day. At our ministry, we get over 120,000 calls asking for help every year. And Seth and the team there go through these incredible times. Thank these men for being here, We are They're great men. you may be seated thank you so much again doctor for allowing us to come I want to talk to you for the next few minutes about what I have found to be unquestionably the most dangerous thing in the Christian life the thing we're going to talk about in my life I've watched destroy more marriages destroy more churches destroy more lives get more people sued, shatter the testimony of Christ, this one thing. And the devil right now has a master plan for you and a master plan for me to get us snared on this one thing we're going to talk about. The Bible says it's unspeakably dangerous. But we're so comfortable with it, we think we can handle it. The thing we're going to talk about for the next few minutes is your tongue. Your tongue. Let's read what the scripture has to say in James chapter 1. Now remember, this is the half-brother to the Savior, Jesus Christ. God speaking through him. We get to heaven, I'd like to talk to James. He was with Jesus growing up in the home. And he's addressing the people who are under great persecution in James chapter one. James chapter one, verse 19. Therefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. God says, whatever you do, don't get carried away talking. Then look down at verse 26. If any man among you seem to be religious. Now this is addressed to believers and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. Circle that word vain, underline it. It's the word for worthlessness. Do you understand what God says? If I don't have a bridled tongue, my life is worthless. My faith is, now you're heaven bound. That doesn't change because of the faithfulness of Christ. But for God to use you, he's got to have a bridal tongue. Now here's the problem with the bridal tongue. It never happens by accident. It's by decision. And when God says that he wants your tongue bridled, bridled not his tongue, it's written in a continuum. You know that. God says, I want you to bridle it and keep it bridled. And God says, if you don't have a bridled tongue, your faith is vain, worthless. If the Lord was here in a form we could see walking the aisles this morning, and we said, Lord, pick out the worthless ones, what would happen when he came to you? What would happen when he came to me? Well, if you don't have a bridled tongue, The Bible says your faith is worthless. You're of no value to God. I promise you in all the lawsuits we're involved with, and we litigate in all 50 states and in 26 countries, and the first thing they're going to go after is your words. They're going to go after things you said, how you said them because they want to destroy the testimony of Christ. And nothing can destroy the Lord's testimony like a tongue that's unbridled. Go and look at what it says in the third chapter of James, the third chapter of James. Verse six. And the tongue is a fire A world of iniquity so is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. Now, the next phrase I have underlined and highlighted in my Bible, and it is set on fire of hell. If your tongue's not bridled, the devil's got your tongue look at verse 7 for every kind of beasts and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind but the tongue can no man tame it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison well brother gibbs i'm trying my best to control my tongue you can't i don't know who the finest most resolved man or woman in this room is but you can't control your tongue, God says you can't. But look at the courage he gives. Go back up to verse two. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and is able to bridle the whole body. God says, if you can tame the tongue, you can tame the other things in your body. People come up to me all the time, say, boy, pray for me, Brother Gibbs, I'm struggling with this or that. And I say, well, have you got your tongue bridled? And they'll say, no, no, that's not my problem. Yeah, it is your problem. If you can't bridle your tongue, you can't bridle the rest of the body. But if you can bridle your tongue, God says that'll change your whole body. Now, I have to confess to you, I struggle with this. I'm one of these guys that mouths off a lot. Words just come to me. How many of you here have ever said stupid things? Hold your hand up, will you? And how many of you like me repeated it many times, right? Sure. Whoa. I've heard people say I was at a loss for words, Dr. R. I've never been at a loss for words. (laughs) All I have to do is open my mouth and the words are like there. Oh, wow. I was at a rental car place getting a car and there was a young mother there with kids And they were extremely busy. They'd oversold. They were turning people away who were supposed to get cars. And this lady comes up and says, but I I have a car. I have to have it. I'm trying to get to my husband's funeral. I have to have the car. And the guy said, lady, I'm sorry. We don't have any cars. Tough luck. And I'm standing there, and I thought, I'll chirp in. I'll help her. I said, listen, you, you go find her a car right now. And he said, no. I said, young man, if you don't find her a car right now, I'm gonna make you wish you were never born. You can't imagine the hurt I'm gonna put on you. I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna have you in court day in and day out for a year. He said, what are you, a lawyer? I said, it's your lucky day. Yes, I am. (laughs) And I threatened him, get her a car now, you nitwit. (laughs) Okay, okay. He goes trundling off to get her a car. I turned to that young mother and I said, "He'll, he'll be back in just a minute with a car for you. She said, oh, I wish you hadn't done that, Brother Gibbs. I said, what's Brother Gibbs? What do you mean? She said, we've heard you preach many times. I didn't know you'd ever talk like that. I said, well, I was helping you. She said, I know, but you were mean. I said, well, that's what they, moves them. And I I said, I was mean for your sake. I said, come on, give me a little room here. She looked at me and she said, promise me you won't do that to somebody else. An unbridled tongue will destroy your testimony. Destroy it. I got on an airplane one day and I've told this story many times but I still vividly remember it. And they put new interiors in and the interiors, the seats were way smaller way more narrow. And it's quarter to six in the morning. My flight's gonna leave at 6 a.m. And I looked at those seats and I thought, those are the most puny seats I've ever seen. And I thought, man, once I'm wedged in those seats, I won't need a seat belt. (laughs) Turn this baby upside down, I won't be going anywhere. (laughs) You know that deal in the event of an emergency? Emergency. If there's an emergency me and the seat will leave together we'll just (laughs) waddle out the door they were terrible terrible And, and not just this way this way the guy in front of you when he leans back you could do brush his teeth for him I mean he's in your lap well I walked back to where my seat was and there's a flight attendant there and I didn't say anything about her I just mouthed off about the seat. I said, these are the most puny seats I've ever seen. And like that, she exploded. I said, these are the most puny seats I've ever seen. She said, well, you could lose weight, you know. Oh, I thought, sweet Alabama. Man, it's quarter to six in the morning and I got the mouth of the South on a Delta. But that's all it took. She said, you could lose weight, you know. I said, you're right, and you could get prettier. I said, you are seriously one of the most cosmetically challenged people I've ever met. I said, no, you're embarrassed, but man, when you fell out of the tree, you didn't miss a branch on the way down. I said, I'll bet your mother even gave the baby pictures away, right? Hey, she started it. Now the people around me are clapping. A businessman there got his pen out and he said, Say that all again. I want to write all that down. And he said, Where'd you get that? And boy, that guy said, Well, you know, the devil gave it to me. I don't know where. She's crying. She leaves. I told her, I said, if you think tears are going to help you, you're dreaming. Now, I'm putting my coat up in the rack overhead, and when I did that, the tracks in my pocket just slid out. So I picked them up, and I'm going to put them back. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, probably not a good time to give her one. Will you listen to me? If you don't have a bridal tongue, this world does not want to hear about your Jesus. I'm on my way to Atlanta to catch a flight to Portland, Oregon. That afternoon, I'm in a hearing a trial. That night, I'm preaching in a Bible conference, and I start the day worthless. Without a tongue that's bridled, this man's faith is vain." Went back up by her. And I said, can I talk to you again? She said, no, I've heard quite enough from you. I said, well, I want to apologize. What I did to you, I'd never want somebody to do to my wife or my daughter. I'm sorry. She said, I've been a Delta flight attendant for 22 years. She said, nobody's ever apologized. I said, I am. I said, I don't know if you understand this. The bridle came off and God forbid me, and I gave her a gospel track. Have you got your tongue bridled? The Bible says your tongue is full of the devil's fire, unspeakably wicked, full of deadly poison. Those are not my words, that's God's word. How do you get a bridle on? I grew up on farms, cattle farms. And I don't ever remember learning to ride a horse because we always had them. Even as babies, we rode horses. But I'll tell you one thing about a bridle. When a horse sees a bridle, they want nothing to do with it. When you'd walk out in the pasture with a bridle, they'd take off and go to the back end of the farm because they lose control. Do you understand what a bridle does to you? You surrender control of your tongue you give it up, and the Holy Spirit bridles it. So you know what we'd do? We'd feed the horses in, get them in a stall, and then we'd walk in, and when we'd see that bridle, they'd turn their heads and put it in the far corner. And then we'd get up there, and they don't have teeth right here in the back, on their jaws, so we'd tug on it, try to get it open, to slip a bridle in. And then we'd put a little sugar on it or a little honey to try to get them to take it. When they'd lick that sugar, we'd real quick snap it in. But the minute it's bridled, they try to undo it. They go find a fence post or the corner of a building, and they rub on it to get the bridle out. That's the problem. God says you and I are worthless without a bridle. But we still want control of this. We want to be able to say what we want to say. And to put the bridle in, you surrender that freedom and submit it to God, submit it to Christ. Now, I want you to write three things down this morning. There's three great tests of whether you got a bridle tongue or not. And I promise you, these are struggle in my life. As we go through this, if you say, "I, I don't have a problem with any of this, Well then, please pray for me, because I find that 99.9% of the people I deal with have trouble with getting a bridled tongue. Here's the first key. If you've got a bridled tongue, you will have no unkind words. No unkind words. About someone or to someone. A tongue takes away unkind words. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace. Every word that comes out of your mouth is to be a God-gracious word. Hmm. Yeah, but Brother Gibbs, I deal with some irritating people. Life's full of irritating people. You know what I've discovered? Life is full of irritating people, and they all want to know me. And God says, stop it. If your tongue is bridled, every word will be gracious. Every word. Hmm. Ephesians 4, verse 29 to 32. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Nothing corrupt in God's eyes. You'll talk different because your tongue is different. Second Corinthians, chapter 12, verse 20. This is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Paul said, when I come to see you, he's talking to the Corinthian church, he said, I'm afraid that I'm going to find some things that I shouldn't find. And one of the things he lists that he's going to find is debates, debates. You know what debates are? That's where you are contentious with people. I know a lot about debates. I've done a lot of debates. I had the privilege when I was in high school to compete in the International Debate Championship, and we won. And then in college, I was on the international and national one and we won. And then in law school, we did the international and national and won. I like debates. Debates are simple. Let me tell you the foundation rule. You make the other guy look stupid and you look bright. That's a debate. I want to come out looking good and I want you to come out looking bad. And God says, stop it. If your tongue is bridled, you will not be doing that. Let every word, every word be with grace. Stop making other people look bad and you look good. We've all been guilty of that. And then he says, no corrupt communication out of your mouth. No unkind words. My precious wife, Gloria Ann, she called me one day and she said, I need to have you do something for me, please. Now, she never asked for anything. She's the easiest lady to live with you could ever imagine. All these years being gone on the road in courtrooms and everything, being away from home 200-plus nights a year, she has never complained, never complained. But she said, could you do me one favor, please? I said, sure, what, babe? She said... uh, I've been saving a couple of years to get this one thing. And I just don't have enough money, but I found one online and it's within a couple hundred dollars of what I have. Could you call them and see if you could get that for me? She said, you're so good at talking them down. See if you could get it for me, would you? She said, "I'd, I'd really love that honey. I said, babe, I'm in trial right now, but when trial's done, I'll call, you bet. I'll take care of it. And I meant to, but I forgot. That night when I called home, she said, what'd they say? Did they take it? Did they take it? I said, oh, babe, I forgot. It slipped my mind. Oh, she said, I know you're busy in that trial, but Promise me you'll call them in the morning, okay? This would mean a lot to me, honey. I said, okay. And I meant to. But I forgot again. When I called her at lunch, she said, did they take your offer? I said, babe, I forgot. She said, "Well, well, get them tonight, please. I said, count on it. And that night I did call and it had already sold. When I called home, she said, what'd they say, what'd they say? Am I gonna be able to get it? I said, no, honey, it's already gone. I dropped the ball. Now, what would you say? You know what she said to me, babe, the only thing that would hurt me is if you feel bad. The only thing that it hurt my heart is if you feel bad about this. She said, you mean the world to me. Promise me you won't feel bad. Now, if that had been me and the roles were reversed, I know what I'd have said. I ask you to do one cotton-picking thing, just one. And wouldn't you think you could do that one thing for me? Because the bridle's off. Be careful when you're looking for a mate. When that bridle's off, that tongue will turn on you. A good time later, we were having a meeting at our house for Thanksgiving. And we were going around the room, all our kids, and what we gave thanks for. And my daughter Sharon said, I want to give thanks for Mom. She didn't know I was listening. She so wanted that thing, Dad. She was so excited. when you dropped the ball, she was so gracious. It changed my whole life. People are listening to your words. Without a bridle, our faith is worthless. Number one, no unkind words. Number two, no griping or complaining. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10. Neither murmur ye as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Do you understand God killed his own for murmuring and griping? And God says, stop it. Stop it. 1 Thessalonians five, eighteen. 18. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The Bible says if you're not giving thanks in everything you are totally out of God's will and so am I. In everything give thanks. Now Brother Gibbs I, I can't do these things. God never commands what he won't enable. But it takes a bridal tongue. When's the last time you went to the altar and said God bridle it. I belong to you, bridle it. I want to give up control. I want you to have control. It'll change everything. It amazes me how quickly we start murmuring and griping. Amazing how quick we become critical. And I don't care which news outlet you watch or listen to, they're all full of people that are griping and they want you to gripe about what they're griping about. Stop it. We're to be the people with a tongue that has literally been harnessed by God. Number one, no unkind words. Number two, no griping or complaining. Number three, no failure to praise. No failure to praise. You realize Psalm 135, verse 1 says, Praise ye the Lord, and it encompasses everything. Hebrews talks about the sacrifice of praise. Psalm 22 says, God inhabits the praise of his people. You can't be critical. You can't be unkind and be praising God with the same breath. And God says, I want you to be a person who's full of praise, who's full of praise. There was a young black boy by the name of Charles Tinley. Charles Tinley was just a very young man at the time of the Civil War, and his life got caught up in it. His mother was a free person, his dad was a slave. So by law, Charles Tinley was free but some very wicked men grabbed him and sold him at a slave market. And someone very ruthless and mean grabbed him and bought him and took him off to his plantation. And when Charles Tenley got there, Charles said, I'm free, I'm free. I'm not a slave. And that plantation owner said, I'll show you how free you are. He tied him to a whipping toast and beat him within an inch of his life. He said, don't you ever say those words again. Charles became a slave. One day, one of the workers there said, I thought you said you were free. He said, I am free. And the worker heard it again and said, I'm gonna beat you again. Only this time he didn't beat him on his back. He whipped him in his front, he whipped his face. Put scars on his face that would be there entirety of his life. When the Civil War was over, young Charles made his way to Philadelphia. And there a Methodist church, he went to him and he said, I I have nothing you can tell how I look. But my mom led me to the Lord. And I wonder if I could do something for work. And they said, well, we'll let you stay in the basement if you keep the the boilers full of coal. And so he started and he said, could you get somebody to help me learn to read? I want to read the Bible for myself. And that man at the church said, you must be awfully upset with what you've been through. He said, no. My mother says the Bible says I'm to give thanks in everything. And so every day, especially when I see a mirror, I know why people look at me so strange. I give thanks. Charles Finley was a great reader. They taught him how to read. He started reading, and then he was led to start a church. That church is still there in Philadelphia. At the end of his ministry, he'd written dozens of hymns and songs And his church had never less than 5,000 people in it. And everybody who went to the church said, you got to meet this guy. They couldn't beat the thankfulness out of him. They couldn't make him turn his back on God. One of the songs that he wrote you're going to sing it in a little bit. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Nothing will get you blocked with God like an unbridled tongue. And God says, stop it. The Philadelphia choir came to him and said, how do you have this spirit? He said, It's not me, it's God in me. He said, My tongue is bridled. And by the grace of God, I get to tell people nothing between my soul and the Savior. Your tongue is dangerous, it can destroy your marriage. It can destroy a church. It can destroy your testimony. And God says, stop it. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, this man's religion is vain. I hope your tongue is bridled, but if it's not, do it this morning. I love what Spurgeon told his preacher, boys, and with this, I'm done. He said, every morning, before my feet touch the floor, I ask God to put the bridle on. God, don't let me use my tongue to wreck everything. Right now, the choice is yours. Let nothing be between you and the Savior.